I want you to get your Bibles or whatever device you use to read the Word of God and uh, get there and uh, get to Matthew chapter 18. And we're also going to be in Matthew chapter 6 as well. Now look, just because I said Ben and Emily are going to be gone, that means you still got to come to church, okay? Still got to be here. A lot of guests. We're so happy you're here. And I'll tell you what, we have a lot of people that we're calling. As a pastor, you start getting those calls uh, Saturday night and in the morning, folks. That Man, there's just an entire crew of people that are, are very sick. There's this stomach thing going around. And, uh, man, just wiping out households. And so we're just praying, uh, praying for that stuff to just be gone. We're glad to have our Texas friends here today. Oh, man. Miss Henry and Miss Pinnock, we're glad y'all are here. Thanks for coming and being with us. These folks have been a part of our life for a long, long time, and we're happy. You just snuck in on us, just snuck right in. Well, thanks for coming today. Um, let me see. Anybody else I need to embarrass? Just looking around here. No, I'm not going to do that. For those of you that this is your, uh, you haven't been with us uh, in a couple of Sundays, or you are a first-time guest, uh, let me just bring you up to speed where we are. Uh, we've been doing some teaching on prayer because we believe that the only thing that's really going to help turn us around, turn our nation around, is going to be the power of prayer. And I have a personal feeling that we have forgotten how to do it, that Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and email and busyness and life and CNN and Fox News and ESPN and all this stuff has taken up our time And so prayer is not a priority. We started this by saying, and I made a confession as a pastor, that prayer is hard for me. It doesn't come easy for me. Is there anybody else that is in that same boat? Come on, all the honest people, raise your hand. Now, I'm not calling you a liar if you didn't raise your hand. It may come easy for you. Uh, But it's it's work to set that time aside, and I'm going to talk to somebody I can't see, somebody that rarely talks back, and I'm going to just... And all the stuff that's going on. And so you have to learn how to turn power things down. And so as we began to talk about prayer, we were wrapping up one series called A New Year's Revolution. And we were moving into a new series called Have a Heart as we go through February. Talking about having a heart for the things of God and having passion for what God wants us to do. I'd never done this before, but we combined two, two series with one topic. In prayer. And we're going to continue that today, talking about prayer. We read uh, Matthew 6, 5 through 13, uh, our first week. And we, we took the Lord's Prayer. And here's what we found that number one, prayer turns our attention to eternity. It takes your focus and it moves it to eternity and to the things of God. As I was studying this week, I found, I found the Lord's Prayer in the message translation. And I wanted to read that to you today. It's pretty cool. Matthew 6, 5 through 13. And when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical theatrical production. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. (laughs) Do you think God sits in a box seat? I love this. Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God or take selfies of yourself or Instagram. (laughs) This is just me praying right here. I'm telling you, the selfies pretty much amaze me. 
My favorite is the one where it's a surprise selfie. Like, you didn't know you were taking a picture of yourself. <laughs> oh, what? I took a picture of myself? I've never seen arms contort. I can only imagine what's going on the other side of that to get that shot. So he said, I want you to find a secluded place, turn off Twitter, turn off Instagram. Don't do it in a loudspeaker so everybody can hear it. And don't be tempted to role play before God or be something that you're not. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. Don't you love that? And then the focus will shift from you to God. And you will begin to sense His grace. Everybody say, the focus will shift from me to God. Less me, more He. The prayer, many times, we talked about this several weeks ago... Is all about us and our needs and what we want and what we're asking for and, and what we're begging for and pleading for and demanding. And James says, many of you have diseases because you have prayed amiss. That word amiss literally means that, to miss. You miss the target because you're praying for your own needs, praying according to your own selfish desires instead of the will of God. But when you sit Simply and honestly as you can manage, the focus begins to shift from you to God and you will begin to sense His grace. How many could, would love to just have a sense of His grace this morning? Then verse 7 says, The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are actually prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling their techniques for getting what you want from God. Pray this way and rub on this cloth and sprinkle this water and it will come true. Whatever. Come on. I just went there, didn't I? I love what it says. Don't fall for that nonsense. Look at this. Don't you love this? This is your father that you're dealing with. And he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. Does that change something in you about prayer? It does for me. Here's what I've been doing. I, was, I came from a background, and, it, and I always say this, and people say, you always tell us you're from a Pentecostal background. There's people here that don't know that. They may just think I'm weird. It was my raising, y'all, okay? <laughs> we, I was raised in a Pentecostal background. My wife was raised from a Baptist background, and we kind of blew up in the middle somewhere. So that's, that's uh, Miss Moore, that's kind of what you sense right here. Mr. Tiger, that's what's going on. It's kind of collision in the middle. And, and I remember... Prayer in the Pentecostal church, it was loud and it was long. And we didn't feel like if it was loud or long, anything happened. Right? Now, look, if that's the way you pray, then pray that way. But if it's your culture and you think that the way you pray is what makes God move, then maybe you want to move to a different way. I remember I was a part of a church for a while that we were taught that if you didn't pray one hour, you weren't saved. So I was just going straight to hell all the time. I would get to 58 minutes and go, oh, Lord.
I met Kristen, and Kristen prayed two or three hours a day. It was just a way of life for her. But there was no religion. There was no, you got to do this. It was just what she wanted to do. And I would ask her, what is this? What makes you do this? And she said, I just love him. Just love him. I want to be around him. I want to hang out around him. And here's what I found. If you want to change the way you pray, then look at him as a father. It changes the way you pray. My boys don't have to come in with a written dialogue and go down their bullet point to ask me what I want, what they want. They don't have to do it a certain way or have a certain type of music playing. Hey, y'all, can I just go for it today? I ain't going for it in a while. Can I just... I've got notes. I've got bullet points. i got numbers. i got alliteration. But can I just go from my heart this morning? I don't care what y'all say. I'm going to do it anyway. Maybe care a little bit what you say. Just a little bit. When you begin to look at him as your father... It changes the whole dynamic of prayer. When you know that he is loving and he's giving and he's caring and he's gracious and he's generous, it changes the way that you pray. He is your heavenly father. And he says, if, if you being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. You know the parable I'm talking about. You know the, when he begins to say, if your child asks for something good, are you going to give him something evil? If he asks for bread, will you give him a stone? If he asks for fish, would you give him a serpent or a serpent or a scorpion? No, you wouldn't. And you're evil. How much more shall your Father in heaven give you what you need? I love what it says. When you pray to him like a father, you pray to him with trust that he knows better than you what you really need. Garth. Thank the Lord for Garth Brooks. Thanking the Lord for unanswered prayers. Aren't you happy that some of those prayers didn't get answered? Oh, sweet Lord, you would have married that person. Ended up with that job. So prayer is all about trust. Everybody look at me. I want you to look at me. And I want to say something to you, to all of our guests, to all of our Hills folks. Everybody look at me. This is important. I believe once we get done with this whole trust issue, we're going to see healing happen like we've never seen before. I think when we lay down our trust issues... We're going to see God do a work in our life like we've never seen. We lay down our mistrust and our distrust. We're going to see heaven open up over our lives. I'm kind of tired of it. I'll be honest with you. I'll be very honest. The people that show up to the hills and they say, I just don't know if I can trust you. And I go, I don't know if I can trust you. Why is it all about us trusting pastors in the church? You ever thought about the church and pastors trust us? I had someone say not long ago, well, I'm just going to find out if I trust y'all before I get involved. I have a heart for music and I have a heart for kids, but I got to find out if I trust you. I'm like, wait a minute. I want to see if I trust you to get on our stage and hang out with our kids. Let's flip that puppy around, all right? I just don't trust church because I've been hurt. But they messed your coffee up and you keep going back to the coffee shop like every day. Every day. They will mess it up that morning and you'll go back that evening. 
Right? Doctor misdiagnosed you, but you, you, you'll keep going back. But church, hey, y'all just, I've been hurt by church. I am not making fun of being hurt by church, but you weren't hurt by church. You were hurt by people. And people are dumb. Look at your neighbor and just whisper it. Say, people are dumb. Can I get a witness from the politicians in the house? It will mess you up. Dear friend of mine, pastor of an amazing church, and, and the board messed him up, and he was fired from that job. One of the most successful pastors in America was fired from his job by board members. And I remember I met with him, and I said, how do you keep going, man? How are you pastoring again, knowing what they did to you, knowing what church did to you? He said, church didn't do anything to me. Six people did something to me. <laughs> Got nothing against church. Let me say something. You better watch bad mouth in the church because Jesus died for the church. He may just show up and give you a little piece of his mind. It becomes cool to be anti-church, right? So let's change that. Let's begin to trust. Well, I just need proof that I can trust. Then it ain't trust. Listen to that. It ceases to be trust if you know. Once you know, it's a fact. Faith is based on the fact that you don't know. Still know if I can trust. You can't, but do it anyway. I'm going to fail you. We're going to fail you. We tell all of our folks that show up to our Next Steps event, they're going to figure out if they want to be a part of the hills. We start off by saying, we're going to mess up. I will fail you. I'm going to say something you don't like. I'm going to offend you. I promise you that. Can we just give me an apology? Just, I'll just apologize right now. <laughs> Forgive me and let's roll on. When you sit down with God, you got to look at him as a father and you can trust your daddy. Yeah. I've said it many times and I'll say it many more times. My favorite my favorite poem, I remembered, I remembered as a freshman in college, and I've held on to it. Amidst the maddening maze of things, and tossed by storm and flood, to one fixed trust my spirit clings. I know that God is good. That means no matter what is happening, I hang on to the fact that God is a good God. And that's all that matters. People are bad, the world is bad, earth messes up. Government messes up, religion messes up, but God is good. And my dear friend, Dr. David Foster, said to me a month before he passed away, he said, here's what I know, John, because me, y'all, most of you know that we lost my brother three years ago in July. Joshua died of leukemia. And I sat with Dr. Foster and I said, you got to help me make sense of this. I don't know. I prayed. I prayed. I fasted. We did everything we know to do. And he still left us. You got to help me. And he said, here's what I know, John. I know this, that in every situation, God will do the most gracious and generous thing possible. And so in my mind, I begin to say, obviously God thought this was gracious and generous to take my brother. And so I trust him. Does that help anybody besides me? And I want you to get out of that whole unworthy thing. I'm also sick of that. I'm just not worthy. Who is worthy? 
I was worthy this morning and on the way yelled at my sons and became unworthy really fast. I mean, if we, if we base it on that, it goes from minute to minute, doesn't it? I'm worthy. I'm unworthy. Well, I'm worthy now. I'm so unworthy. You're never worthy. Nobody's worthy. But he makes us worthy. Do you hear that? His blood makes us worthy. I don't care what you've done or who you've done it with or how many you've done it with. It does not matter. We have ex-cons in this room right now. We have people that have, that have had failed marriages and have, have lost their ministries. We've had people that have done the worst things. And then we have people that just lied on the way to church this morning. We all sit here unworthy. But his blood sees every one of us the same. Help me preach this morning. Look at, hey, look at your neighbor and say, the ground at Calvary is level. I'm not a good preacher. But that was good preaching right there. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Miss Moore, if I have me a B3 organ, we go to town for a little bit. I'm going to tell you right now. They know about that at John Wesley. I've been to church at John Wesley. <sighs> my father. So when I sit with him, I sit with him, pray to him, knowing that he is my father and he's looking out for me. But I really want this, but you don't need this. You don't need that. Evan is 14, will be 15 in March. And as he approaches that driving age... There'll be a day that he'll pass the test and I'll hand him the keys to that car like this. <laughs> if Evan came in today, although he is my heir and anything I have is his, if he walked in right now and said, Dad, give me the keys to the car, I'm going to take a spin. I'm going to Franklin. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Why not? Because I'm your daddy. And I know that while you think you know, you don't know. I know. So if you can see him as your father, then it changes your prayer life. You're not pleading and begging and demanding. You're saying, okay, Daddy, here I am. Now, look, these are the needs that I have. I sure would like you to show up in this, but I'm giving it all to you. You do your will right now. Remember we talked about it three weeks ago. It's all about his kingdom, his power, his glory, and his will. All of our prayers need to be prayed in those four arenas. Right there, in those four. Is it, is it going to display your power? Is it going to give you your glory? Is it your will? And does it set up your kingdom? If so, let it be, Lord. If not, then don't let it happen. And then there are times that Evan's praying for this or wants this. And all of a sudden, mom and I show up with something bigger and better. Why, because he's earned it? No, because he's our son. There are times you're praying for things, you think that's what you want, but it's all about your paradigm. It's like Joseph. Y'all know Joseph that had the dream, right? And he had a dream of what was going to happen in his life. The problem with it was his paradigm was all about right here, right now. It took a pit and a prison and Potiphar's house for him to get to a place that he could look and go, Oh my goodness, this thing wasn't supposed to happen in a cornfield. It was supposed to happen over an entire nation. 
And I was upset because it didn't happen in the cornfield. Sometimes God has to throw you in the, in the bottom of a prison and let your dream shatter. Let your paradigm, your perspective shatter. How many have been shattered before? If not, you will be. <laughs> let me give you some hope. <laughs> if you have not been crushed, you will be. Hallelujah. <laughs> Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. <laughs> you will be. It will be a part of it. It's going to be a part of your life. But that crushing and that breaking, what it's really doing is not crushing the destiny in you. It's crushing your focus, your spectacles, your glasses, my glasses. It's crushing them. And then finally you get to a place that you, oh, that's how it's supposed to be. Look at him as your father. And secondly, look at him as your friend. When you pray, pray to him as a friend. I heard a speaker speak the other day and he was talking about he was able to go in the, at the Masters and, um, and he was going to get a chance to meet Arnold Palmer. He was so excited about it. And so they moved him to the tent. He was going to wait and meet Arnie and Arnie was going to come meet him and, and he was just waiting for a while. He wasn't coming. They couldn't understand why he wasn't coming, trying to figure it out. And he was getting a little anxious and, and, he, and all of a sudden they said, oh, he's going to be just a little bit longer. He's in the other tent talking to Jesus. And he was meaning Jim Caviezel is who he was talking about. <laughs> but they called him Jesus. And this speaker said, something shifted in my mind at that moment. And I began to think about what if I could just talk to Jesus like he was just standing right there. Not, oh, Father, thou art amazing in this. Cometh and doeth your willeth. I mean, if that's how you do it, that's fine. But you don't have to do it that way. It's as simple as waking up and putting the coffee on and sitting down and saying, all right, Jesus, what you got planned today? Here's my plans, but if you want to change them, feel free. It's an iCloud, so just sync it up according to you, however you want to do it. Change it all around. And that changes the way you pray. He's my friend. And he said this. He said, I don't anymore call you servants. I call you friends. So don't pray like a servant. Don't pray like a slave, like he's got to give you just the morsels. And he wants to give you the kingdom. Oh, just a little crumb. Crumb? Come sit at the table. Prop your feet up. Make yourself at home. Take a turkey leg. Go crazy. See, we pray like, we don't, like he doesn't want to give it to us. How many pray that way? Come on, y'all. How many pray that way? Like we got to beg him. And he's going, if you just ask me with the right attitude, I'm going to do it. I want to encourage you today, this week, to pray like he's your father. To pray like he's your friend. And you begin to, begin to see things shift around. You begin to see things change. Just got some news a moment ago that this is the Kelsey's last Sunday with us. He's going to be going to training and then to Afghanistan. 
Well, my prayer is, no! That's what I would say. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And so what we're going to be doing, we're going to be sending our prayers with you, our blessings with you as you go. We're going to pray that wherever you go, God uses you to bring abundant life to everyone you meet. That loving, giving, and living becomes a part of you wherever you are. What if we could change our heart to the heart of God? Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything for the kingdom's cause. It would change the way we live. It would change the way we act. It would change the way we react. If we could just have a heart, change everything. Your prayers for your family changes. Because you're not praying for them to do things the way you want them to do. Which is most time what we pray, right? God, just please let her understand that she's got a good thing. Please, God. <laughs> Would you just please let them babies be nice today? <laughs> All these new kids, please let them sleep for three hours in a row. <laughs> It changes your prayers on family. It changes your prayers in your neighborhood. You're not praying that, that things would get better in your neighborhood because, because your house value will go up. You begin to pray God's heart for your neighborhood. You begin to pray God's heart for your community. You begin to pray God's heart for your city. I can't imagine what our council members have to walk through and the pressure that is on you. I cannot even fathom what you have on you. And I'm telling you, we are committing as a church to pray for you. The Bible says to pray for your leaders, pray for those in government and authority. And we are making a promise to you that we are praying for you. And instead of us praying that the city would line up with what we want, we need to be praying that the city would line up with what Jesus wants. Let me ask you something. Does the skyline of Nashville move you like it moves me? My boys get tired of it, I know it. But every time we make a turn and I see the skyline, I go, look at it, boys. That's our city. I stretch my hand over and I say, in Jesus' name, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done in this city. We begin to pray for orphans. We begin to pray for the poor. We begin to pray for the homeless. We begin to pray for the rich. We begin to pray for the doctors and the lawyers and the plumbers and the teachers and the politicians and the preachers. When's the last time you prayed for your city? Jesus wept over it. He said, oh, Jerusalem, how I want to take you. And do you know what I wish I could do? I wish I had enough hands to take every face in Nashville and put their face right here and go, I love you. He loves you. Trust in that and everything's going to be okay. Maybe we can. What if we can? What if that's what we do here? It changes the prayers of your city. What if we prayed for the heart of God for our nation? Not some political agenda but the heart of God. What does Jesus want? 
I had a long discussion with a guy that said, I just don't know if I can pray for that politician because I don't agree with what he says. I said, well, then you don't agree with the word of God. Policy should not affect your prayers. What? Come on. Don't ever talk about religion or politics. I did both in the same sentence. What if we begin to pray for our nation and say, God, have your will. God, bless America. But don't bless us just to bless us. But bless us so we can be a... Say it with me. Bless us so we can be a blessing. And then lastly, pray for the not just the nation, but the nations. Do you know Jesus was not an American, right? You do know that. And he did not just shed blood for us. Right? It's for the nations. And you start changing your mindset from your home to your community, to your city, to your state, to your nation, to the nations. And you start praying kingdom prayers instead of church prayers or city prayers or selfish prayers. And you start realizing what the kingdom really looks like. That the Bible says when they're gathered around the throne, I'm taking my glasses off for emphasis right now. Because I want you to know how important this is, all right? Let me try that again. Watch this. Boom. Now listen to me. This is If I ever take them off, it's getting serious, okay? Listen to what I'm saying. This is very important. You hear this. The Bible says in Revelations that they're gathered around the throne and they're all singing, every tribe and every tongue, singing in their native language. Can you imagine what that's going to be like? Can you imagine? How many can hear it? The Bible talks about the sound of many rushing waters. That's what that is. Well, if you can imagine it then, can you imagine it now? That right now, all over the world, billions of people are singing and praying. What if we all stopped praying and singing our own desires and we started praying and singing His desires? You're going to see a transaction at that moment that changes everything. Prayer is simply this. Prayer, number one, turns our attention to eternity. Prayer, number two, turns our attention to others. This is what we talked about last week, that he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. It is not exclusive. I don't care what your race is, what your background is. The house of God is open. It does not exclude. But lastly, prayer is all about agreement. Prayer is all about agreement. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Did you hear that? That's an agreement. Jesus, I do not want to do this. Father, take this cup from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours. See that agreement? And when that agreement happens, that's when things change. Everybody look. We talked about this several weeks ago. The human will is the strongest force in the earth. The human will. If we want to do it, we're going to do it because that's how humans are. That's how God made us. We're going to make it happen if we really want it to happen. So when you hear someone say, not my will, but thy will, that ain't like a little simple. That's like eternities are shifting. Worlds are orbiting at that moment. 
when someone says, not my will, but your will be done. The strongest force in nature is stopping and submitting to the will. So when you say, your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven, what that becomes is an agreement with what heaven is saying. Now, everybody look, and then I'm done. This is very important. Took my glasses off again. Didn't even mean to. It just happened. In the Bible, you hear of three kingdoms. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of earth. In the beginning, there was one kingdom, the kingdom of God. It was just him. But in Genesis, when God created heaven and earth, suddenly there are two more kingdoms. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth. That's how they operate. Okay? Every kingdom has its own laws and cultures and language and customs and the way it does things. If you want to go to China and do business, you got to learn what their customs are, right? You got to learn what their laws are, what their language is. And then you got to form an agreement with them to do transactions, right? It's the same thing between heaven and earth. Heaven has a culture. Heaven has a plan and a will. Earth has a plan and a will. It's own free will doing what it wants to do. Heaven knows better than we do. So all prayer is is saying this. We give you permission to do what you're doing up there down here. And the Bible says if two or three agree touching anything It shall be done in earth by your Father who is in heaven. There is that agreement. So tomorrow, today, when you have your prayer time, change your mindset. It's not begging. It's not pleading. It's not wailing. It can be. If it goes to there, great. But it doesn't have to be. It can be as simple as this. Jesus, I sure love you today. My heart beats for you. I'm passionate about you and the things of you. And I'm telling you right now that I'm giving everything I have over to you. Have your will today. And Lord, don't just have your will, but do it the way you want to do it. And you're going to watch God begin to work things out in your life.